0: hi i'm stephanie and this is real housewives of neopia together we're going to re-explore some dark depths of pop culture most of which you've willfully forgotten about it has been a week of small victories for me Do you remember the pink DVD player, Portable, I thought I lost out on? I think I talked about it last week. Well, guess what, Mimi? It was still in Value Village, just tucked away. So I did what I had to do. I bought it for $7.99. Even though I have no idea what kind of batteries it takes, what kind of cords are required, I'll find my own way. During that same VV trip, I also snagged a November 2008 copy of Us Weekly, and I felt high as a result. I posted a few of the highlights within on my personal Instagram, but now I'm just thirsty for more old tabloids and magazines. I'm so upset that I no longer have access to my own amazing early 2000s magazine collection along with so much other stuff, which includes but is not limited to a vitamin C Barbie. For some background, starting in, I think it was first or second grade, I was really into teen magazines, particularly Cosmo Girl, even though I was not yet a teen. Back then, my dad even bought me a subscription, and like a year or two went by, and he decided to just ban me from reading them. So my mom's side of the family would just buy them for me anyway. I guess I like respect his decision. But so much time had passed. Like, he got me the subscription. Now I'm remembering. It's when I was in first grade. I remember the first one I ever got had Jessica Simpson on the cover. Like I had read so many of them. Just let me have it. I shouldn't go into a tangent. But I'm still mad he threw away all my mall stuff. Like amazing trip pants and lip service skirts. So many different like, spiked wrist cuffs, corn sweatbands. It's <sighs> so salty because I would have been an amazing pop culture archivist if I hadn't been a child and had autonomy over my belongings. It's a real disservice to the world at large. I also had a TV with a VCR in it, and I would always have blanks, blank tapes in to record weird things. And for fuck's sake, I want them back. Without going into it too much, I was extremely close with that side of the family for the first 15 years of my life, then went no contact, and haven't been in contact ever since, which did a number on me in many ways, but most of all, I just want my 2001 Cosmo Girls and Hit Clips back. Recently, I was looking at hit clips on eBay, like I should not have to lower myself to this when I know where mine are. So much of my stuff was there, and I'm pretty sure it's all still there because they would never really throw things away, but there's no way I could ever get it back. I frequently even have dreams about being in the attic of that house going through all of my cool stuff with Aaron like a glittery powder blue Backstreet Boys beanie, for example. Interesting, since I'd present-day fight Nick Carter to the death, but I would still appropriate that beanie for my aesthetic. Plus, I still pop my pussy to the call by BSB on a regular basis. If you were wondering, I was a Kevin girl growing up because I had taste. Clearly, I've always been intuitive because he's the only one who's denounced Brian for being QAnon. And Brian's his cousin, so it especially takes courage. Also, I want to know where AJ McLean stands on this. If it tells you anything, I was a Kevin Richardson and posh Spice Girl. Anyway, if my belongings are still there, as I suspect, they're sitting on a goddamn gold mine because it would do numbers on Depop oh well I also had season one and two a flavor of love on DVD as well as season one of I love New York and I understand now I'm an adult I can just probably find them on eBay and buy them but that's not the point the point is that I want my vintage collectors item that I'm proud to own whatever weirdly that whole era of my life has creeped up in the most unexpected way Unexpected but welcome. I was just searching up Elimidate as I do, and someone is uploading all the episodes in perfect quality as recently as today. Like the timestamp is six hours ago. If you're unfamiliar, Elimidate was a dating show that premiered in 2001. It aired after midnight on the WB. Well, it would air on different channels depending on where you were. But for me, it was the WB. But obviously, I would stay up past midnight to watch it as a child when I was spending time in said house. That and Change of Heart, which is also consistently being uploaded in perfect quality. So both of those shows being around has just been a lovely little lobotomy for me. Elimidate helped sort of set the blueprint for the MTV dating shows like Next and Room Raiders. The format's similar in that it's one bachelor or bachelorette with three people competing for them. But in the case of Elimidate, there are three rounds. It's just during one date, so I don't know how long they spend with these people, but someone gets eliminated after each round until someone wins. It is so crunchy and rough around the edges, Plus, there are some amazing looks because of the time period, so I just find it hypnotic. Also, 12-pack from I Love New York and Daisy of Love was on it once, but I've yet to find his episode. On the episode I watched earlier, there were these two guys competing, and they were beefing about being compared to Carson Daly, so if that's not what you're looking for, I don't know what is. Then, Change of Heart is a show that also would air, I think, after midnight on the WB, about a couple who's struggling, so each of them go on a date with someone else, then at the end of the episode, they have to choose Stay Together or Change of Heart. There are butterfly hair clips as far as the eye can see, and I'm obsessed with the set design. On YouTube, you can just search "Eliminate" or Change of Heart to see their official channels because they're just cranking out those uploads, much to my delight. It's wild how scandalized people used to be by those shows, seeing what reality TV has now turned into. Show an Eliminate producer, the episode of VPR I'm about to recap, and watch them die on impact. I forgot how much happens in this episode. Like, it truly makes last week's look like a snooze. I feel like I say that every recap, but it is truly true this time around. The struggle to actually play it on Hey You was well worth it. Hey You is like trying to click around a 1999 message board on the Wayback Machine. On the subject of the Wayback Machine, all I do lately is go on there and look at old reality show casting websites or Dollsmania.com circa, like, 2001 in Pretend I'm Living in an Alternate Timeline. It's been really spiritually cleansing to make some dolls with a Z, using the original clothing and accessory options that have been so formative to me as an adult. This week starts at Villa Rosa, where Lisa's holding a tea party. They briefly flash back to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, In which Taylor Armstrong tells Lisa, if you can't be my friend, just please don't be my enemy. If you aren't literate in Real Housewives, which means you're probably very literate in all aspects of life that matter, Taylor Armstrong could be known as the woman yelling at cat meme. That flashback actually made me hungry to watch old Beverly Hills back when things were dark and went there. TBD, I always say I'm going to do that, then I simply don't. Peter and Jax are there to bartend for the tea party where they're serving not only tea but also cucumber martinis. She pulls Jax aside to talk alone because this is the first time she's seeing him since the fight with Frank. Unsurprisingly, she's furious and insists he was a representative of Sir at that restaurant so his actions reflect on her. This is so funny to me, because if they weren't filming a reality show documenting Sir employees, would anyone know that they were Sir employees? I think not. She's like, why did you even show up? And she uses the word fisticuffs. Thank God. Since he and Frank engaged in fisticuffs, she wants to know how they'll be able to work together. Jax insists they can both do their jobs separately without conflict and just go home wash their hands of it he's like both of us have apartments and bills to pay and need this job on the surface it's admirable he'd vouch for frank's job like that but knowing jack's as well as i do now i know that was a calculated manipulation to make himself look good i just know it while explaining why things went too far he's like she's my girlfriend of and lisa cuts him off to be like she's frank's girlfriend He starts getting emotional and says he still loves Stassi. He won't discuss it any further, but he says he took her for granted. It ends with Lisa informing him there will definitely be a full staff meeting ASAP, because things cannot go on like this. Soon thereafter, we meet Stassi's mom, Dana, for the first time. It appears they're meeting for lunch, or maybe just white wine and no food. According to Stassi, they're really close and exactly alike. Dramatic, sensitive, little princesses. I realize that's a really obnoxious way for a grown woman to describe themselves, but... me? She's venting to Dana about the Vegas trip. The fact that Jack's just showed up after being disinvited and how Katie and Kristen have handled things. Or mishandled them, I should say. For maybe the only time in all of her appearances, Dana is very much the voice of reason. She's like, how can your friends defend him? Do they not believe he got the girl pregnant? She also says she knew all along Jax wasn't right for Stassi, and she found it weird that he couldn't even hold a job or want a job at 32 years old. Even though everyone has different life circumstances, I think this observation is apt in Jax's case. After that brief little introduction, we pivot over to Sheena, who's back at the recording studio. This time, she's there with a few friends. Apparently, Tina, who we met earlier in the season, is headlining at the Roxy, and she asked Sheena to open for her. Sheena also says Tina fronted all the money for this, so I hope she helped contribute. I can kind of see Sheena just not asking, though. This showcase will be Sheena's first time performing in public ever. She's just doing one song, her only song, which is called What I Like, the one we heard her recording the first episode where she says, can you freak, bitch? A few of her friends are in tow because they'll be helping with background vocals and dancing. So they're running through the song and they are serving middle school talent show Energy, Like, they're struggling to get through it. Seems they might start laughing, and there's a big lack of confidence. But one of them says, We used to be cheerleaders, so we know how to perform. In response to their rendition, the producer's like, Just be sexy. We're back at Sur, where Jax is hitting on a table of Brazilian women. He's telling them about the French music lounge party after hours at Sur, which is a hilarious event to be held in that particular venue. It's along the lines of, I'll see you there. Like, mm. On his way back to the bar, Peter earns his check by telling Jax, I heard you've been hooking up with a girl at Sir." Then Peter says he knew exactly who it was right away. Laura Lee. If you recall, Laura Lee is the server we met last week with the baby voice. For any Gossip Girl fans, you may also know her as the girl who Dan dated for five minutes in season two. Blair's little friends put nair in her hair so it would melt off. But I digress. Jax explains to Peter that she babysat his dog, then they went for lunch, then a hike, then dinner, then a movie, then breakfast. Peter says Stassi knows, and Jax is like, "'I wish people would just worry about themselves. I have the right to talk to girls.'" Sure, but that means Stassi also has the right to talk to Frank, which no one else seems to think. Enter Laura Lee. She comes in with a bang. She's like, I saw you talking to those other girls, are they trying to get you? And she's just like manically giggling. Their back and forth is so cringy and fraught with terror, but it's mesmerizing. She asks if he told the women she's invited to French music night too, and he's like, yeah, you can tell them your life story. So Laura Lee raises her hand and goes, ex-meth addict, I will fuck you up, while they both nervously laugh in tandem, and Peter looks on. As she walks away, Jack says it's the best sex he's had in a long time. I don't think I've seen the Laura Lee episodes in a bit, so I experienced ASMR body tingles. Stasi clocks in, with she and Kristen mutually ignoring one another in passing. In her confessional, Stassi says Laura Lee called her, saying she and Jax were starting a relationship. Stassi said she cried after the phone call, and she still does not have the words for it. Kristen is rejoicing in Stasi's anguish, which makes me feel like I'm going insane. Tonight in the lounge, it's only Stassi, Kristen, Jax, and Laura Lee, so she finds Frank to just quickly vent to him before her shift starts. The main takeaway is, does anyone care? He got a girl pregnant two months ago. Why is everyone being so cold to me? I can't vouch for a lot of Stassi's behavior, especially later this episode, which we'll get into, but I really can't help but feel for her here. Lisa's already aware of the laura lee of it all because guillermo clued her in so she probes Jax and asks how he's doing because the last time she saw him mere days ago he was in tears about Stasi. he's just like i'm great lisa's like okay well enter this laura lee thing with trepidation because she is very delicate and fragile we find out she's been sober for nine months at this point I remember the first time I ever watched this, I thought she was joking and being edgy when she was like, ex-meth addict, I will fuck you up. Then quickly being like, oh, wow, no, she was being serious when Lisa brings this up. Flash to Kristen and Laura Lee standing together with Laura Lee being like, did you see those girls hitting on him? Jax should be ashamed of himself. Stassi's asking Peter if she can go home because she's just miserable among this company. She says she's trying to be classy and strong. There are over 50 reservations, so Peter says no and asks her to just leave it alone. Apparently, Jax told her, I'm going to find a girl at Sir who's your friend. I can fuck. Stassi said he found the weakest link, and she was the only person who befriended Laura Lee. Cut to he and Laura Lee kissing. The plot is thickening. Last night, when I cooked lamb dumplings and leftover hot pot broth, the flour of the dumpling wrappers made it thicken into a gravy of sorts, and that's what's happening to the plot as we speak. After Stassi's evening of hell, the next day starts at Tom and Kristen's apartment. Apparently there's a party, but it looks like the daytime. Laura Lee and Jax enter with their dogs, with Sheena in a fedora, trailing close behind. Kristen's excited she's there. She claims she's always liked Sheena, and blames Stasi for not getting to hang out with her. I understand that editing is the thing, and we're of course not getting the full picture, but all we've seen is Kristen be really bitchy and mean to Sheena, so I think she should take some responsibility for that. Side note, I just looked it up, and I can't believe Kristen was my age here, if my math is to be trusted. So, around 28 years old, acting like this. More people trickle in, including Tina, while Jax and LL just make out in front of everybody. Tina asks Kristen and Katie the tea on Stasi, because last time she saw them, they were thick as thieves. So she was unaware of the Vegas shenanigans. They fill her in, and I just wrote, Tina's so pretty, which has nothing to do with anything, but is worth mentioning. She just looks radiant. She asks Jax who won the fight, and he's like, I won because I don't have to be with Stassi. Then Laura Lee starts reading texts that Stassi's been sending her. You're fucking pathetic. You have zero self esteem. It's so sad to see. You meant nothing to anyone till I talked to you the way up. Way to pay me back. LL then replied, I'm not pathetic. I'm happy for the first time in a long time. They show a wall of Stasi's text on her phone, so I won't read all of it. But the gist of it is everyone hates you and thinks you're disgusting. When we think Laura Lee's done, she goes, You guys are going to like this one. Everyone's been warning me you're oddly obsessed with me, and now I know it's true. Katie and Kristen make these over-exaggerated what? Faces, because you just know they absolutely said that to Stassi at some point. She continues reading these texts, and it's a level of cringe that I'm addicted to. I very much feel for Laura Lee, and I think Jax is obviously taking advantage of her vulnerability. I also feel bad that these texts are probably really hitting her hard, but she's doing a poor job of acting like, oh my god, guys, can you believe this? It's so funny. It's almost like 10-15 energy, but with adults. It ends with Stassi saying, enjoy my leftovers, and Jack's like, well, are you enjoying it? In front of everybody. And Laura Lee's like, every minute of it, and kisses him in front of everyone. This intense feeling of discomfort carries over into the next scene, which is the staff meeting that Lisa foreshadowed earlier. Everyone's nervous. Lisa's here for the truth, as in the truth about Vegas. She brings up again how they were representing Sir, and Jax takes responsibility. He says he shouldn't have been there, they were just there having a good time, and he acted like a child. All of this is true, but I think this is just a manipulation tactic of him saying the things he knows he should say. As things start escalating between Stasi and Katie, you can just see Laura Lee in the background, like, having a fit. Jax is begging her to calm down, and Lisa straight up says, you look like you're having a seizure. She's like, I'm so heated right now. While Stassi just laughs at her. Pretty much, she just screams at Stasi for harassing her and being mean to her, which is absolutely fair. Her approach is a lot and not how I'd handle things or recommend anyone to handle things, but I think it's appropriate that LL feels upset over the magnitude of bullying. Kristen joins in yelling at Stasi, not because she cares about Laura Lee, cause she just wants to yell at Stasi. And she tells Lisa about the content of those harassing texts. LL starts just unraveling. She was like, I was in the most horrible relationship of my life for three years. And Stassi's like, weird, so was I. Gotta give Stasi the point there. She continues yelling about how Jax builds her up, and she likes him the way he is. And Stassi's just expertly mean-girling. She's smirking and taking the most perfectly timed pauses, being like, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. LL does finish the job by saying she and Stasi only hung out one time. And Stasi even told her the relationship had been over for months. At the end of the meeting, Lisa tells them they're all replaceable. She says only some of you will be successful, and I pretty much know who that is. Afterwards, Stasi convenes with her new replacement friends. There's... Jen, Danny, Kelly, and Tierney. She pulls the classic mean girl thing of, Laura Lee was so weird and scary. I thought she was like gonna kill me. Interestingly, and also heartbreakingly, Kelly mentions that Jax used to always call Laura Lee weird and ugly. So it's strange they're in love now. Stassi also said Jax wrote her a love note as recently as three days ago. The pace changes to something a little lighter for now. We're at the dance studio with Sheena and her friends. One of those friends is Ariana Maddox, who joins the cast next season. Apparently, she really hated filming and kept hiding from the camera, so her involvement is minimal, but she's here. And the choreographer is just like, we, we got some work to do, yeah. Cut to Stasi with some more replacements out somewhere for drinks. She's with Jen and Haley of the Free Haley Movement. I'm not giving up since it seems like Haley doesn't get to speak here. They're talking about Tina's showcase because they're all invited, and Stasi's just now realizing that Sheena is involved. She finds out about the backup dancers and she says no one's done that since 1999. Sure, but I don't think it should have ever stopped. Her prediction is that Sheena will look like Britney at her lowest times 10. Jen then plays What I Like for Stasi from her phone, and Stasi's delighted. She's delighted because she hates it and she wants to see the real thing. Before you know it, the real thing is upon us because we quickly move over to the Roxy. Gangs all there, including Stasi, who really had her shift covered for the specific purpose of making fun of Sheena. Kristen says it's great to be there to cheer Sheena on and show support. Okay, Kristen. She performs with a lot of confidence and doesn't flounder. The general consensus of everyone is that she killed it. Jax's consensus is that she's hot. Stassi's only ally, Jen, even looks to her and is like, she did a really good job. Stassi herself can't deny it either. As she's looking around, seeing Jax and all her old friends just moving on with their lives without her, things start hitting her. I do believe this was truly the case, but I think it was compounded by Sheena not embarrassing herself. So she leaves crying, and Sheena chases her out to ask if she's okay, and she gives her a hug. You heard that right. Even though Sheena initially was happy to see Stasi's misfortune, she couldn't help but empathize and was like, I know you really hate me, but let me know if you need anything. I have to tell you something that's really embarrassing. No, I'm not quoting Sheena, that I'm me. I have to tell you something that's really embarrassing. I started crying during this part, even though I've seen this so many times, never have cried at it before, but I was feeling really emotional. I haven't pulled this kind of shit in a long time, but I know the feeling of like, Being in the right about something objectively and alienating people because of it, which then causes me to spiral and act evil, thereby alienating them even more. So I couldn't help it. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about or I'm just a fucking freak like Stassi Schroeder. After taking my notes, I told Aaron that I cried at VPR and he was like, why? And I was like, I can't tell you. Stassi tells Sheena she fully expected her to suck, but she really didn't. Then Sheena insists that Stasi come back in to see Tina set and have a drink with her, which of course Sheena ends up having to pay for, which I loved. The episode ends with them being photographed together on someone's Blackberry with Flash and taking a shot together. Right now, it's taking a lot for me to not just scream directly into the microphone. That was a tornado, right? Bad weather, spin the truth, destroy, as Lisa Barlow might say. We'll be back next Friday to pick up where we left off, and I'll be on Patreon Wednesday covering Spidey and their crystals before starting a new series. Remember, there's Brittany and Kevin Chaotic, Jersey Licious, I Love Money Season 1, and Surreal Life Season 4. Some of my current patrons still haven't voted, so I beg of you to do so because I want everyone to have a say. And even better, maybe some more patrons will hop on board by April 6th, and you can get in the mix too. Brittany and Kevin Chaotic is in the lead right now on the poll, but I need all my patrons to vote by April 6th. That is patreon.com slash realhousewives of Neopia. You can find me on Instagram at Botox Groupon, B-O-T-O-X-G-R-O-U-P-O-N, and the pod at Real Housewives of Neopia. Love you guys so much. I will see you then. Goodbye.